Welcome, everyone, to the very first episode of Brought to the Table, a podcast that is dedicated to bringing on guests and of all sorts of varieties to bring a topic of discussion to the table. I am your host, Luke Jones, and here today, our very first guest is a very special friend of mine. Um, you know, this person and I, we honestly go back now, what, maybe a year, but we started this other podcast that has kind of led us to this area now. I want to give a huge welcome to a very special friend of mine, Headmaster Ditto. Welcome to the first show <laughs> of my new podcast. How you doing, friend? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Uh, 2020 hasn't completely run me into the ground yet, so. No, and apparently 2020 just makes you want to keep doing a new podcast. Apparently so. I know. It's a, um, if you, if you don't mind, Ditto, because I know you, you, you know, I enjoy my tangents. Um, but this podcast, to let everyone know, um, this podcast is really dedicated to having very open discussions about all sorts of different types of things, technology, education, and probably the main thing we'll be doing a lot on the show because we're nerds, gaming of all varieties, not just tabletop, but also video games. And we just want to have a great little outlet for all sorts of folks to kind of come on, talk about anything that they like. And for once, not me lead the show, really kind of have our guests come on and bring a topic that we get to have an awesome discussion about with all sorts of different things. If you really like the show, please, you know, subscribe to our channel on YouTube of called Literally Brought to the Table, as well as make sure that you just follow us on all the different podcast feeds, including the one that you're probably listening to right now. It would really be awesome. And just leave your feedback. I really want this show to blow up and stuff because I really like podcasting. And without further ado, after that shameless plug for myself, Headmaster Ditto, what are you bringing as the very first topic? Of brought to the table. Well, first off, to all of you Let's Get Wicked carryovers who are expecting me to say Kingdom Hearts here, <laughs> surprisingly, no. <laughs> That's going to be a discussion for future me, probably, when yes. I have time and can actually articulate it properly. <laughs> oh. Speaking of which, what is everyone's problem with, like, Kingdom Hearts lore? Like, somebody po posted something in the server this afternoon that was just ragging on all of the Kingdom Hearts people. And it's like, dudes, <laughs> pardon? Well, you know, I've told you this. The only reason really why I got into Kingdom Hearts was the gameplay. So I can care less about the story. As I long mean, as the game start for fun. the gameplay, stay for the lore. That's how I am with stuff. Well, I mean, hey, that's how people stick around. You know? Yeah, exactly. But uh, anyway. we'll save the Kingdom Hearts show. For another save, save day. Save that for later. <laughs> save that for when I don't have any good ideas. Oh, but what is your good idea that you have today? All right. For my idea, I thought we'd take a little trip into the past. Ooh. Uh, not too far, luckily. Uh, in 2011, right at the very end, this really nice little game decided to grace the internet with its presence called Minecraft. Ooh. And ever since then, it feels to me at least, there has just been a slew of indie games that have just been really, really good. It's like after Minecraft would have been 
The next big one for me would have been Undertale, Stardew Valley, Hollow Knight, Shovel Knight, all this stuff. And I thought it'd be fun to just talk about, you know, what makes those types of games so good? Like, why they stick out above everything else. I really like that. I um, I am a huge fan of one of those, which we will definitely get into. Um, I think I think to start with me and me, I think the biggest thing that those games really do is that, like, during that era that you're talking about with Minecraft, like in 2011, that was kind of during the time where it was like the dude bro games, where everything was just kind of like dark and like the brown filter, I guess, oh, all over it. And I'm pretty I really sure think wasn't the it? indie games had the color. That's what really. Oh, without a doubt. Worst. Like that's what Minecraft was uh, sold on initially was just that it was an endless, like really vibrant kind of world. But correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't this around the time frame when everything was just zombie shooter? <laughs> it was everything was like a third person shooter, first person shooter. Uh, something. It was thing. all like, zombies. Call of Duty was super everything. Big. Um, Uncharted was big. Gears of War was big. Like all those games. Like, and then every company under the sun was trying to make like a third-person shooter that like fit those vibes. Um, I even remember like the Transformers games that Activision was releasing at the time. Like, and everyone, you know, if you're a Transformers fan like I am, like Transformers are colorful characters. You know, they got these bright colors and stuff. And then like War for Cybertron's got this giant gray filter on it, and it's like the games are cool, story's cool, but like it's it's not that it's not a pretty game. It's just like for Transformers, it's just not bright and colorful. It probably wasn't super action packed either, which something like Transformers would desperately need. Right, exactly. They need action. Uh, <laughs> we we, but, we need more Michael Bay. Oh, the, maybe that might be taking it a step too far. Okay. Okay. No, no Michael <laughs> Bay in the indie world, in the indie, indie space. But um, so t- tell me what what is some of your favorite aspects of the indie games? I want you to start. I think us what off. really draws me. To especially the ones I brought up, but you could go on a tirade about stuff like Slay the Spire, Monster Train, those kind of recent games. But especially with Undertale and Stardew and like Shovel Knight and all them, they have a really like nostalgic art style, I think. Because Undertale is definitely pulling on the uh, kind of the SNES vibes. Shovel Knight did it. Stardew Valley's exactly the same as Harvest Moon, and that was an SNES thing. Yes, um, I, I think it's just I, I don't know how much of it is nostalgia and how much of it is genuinely something that's different. If that makes sense. How many of those games do you feel are so? Like example, like I know Shovel Knight and and Undertale. You know their art styles are very retro, but I feel like Shovel Knight is really trying to re-implement a lot of the retro-style platforms. And well, it really I've is. Undertale, but I can't attest to how like the gameplay of it is because I know it's pretty innovative. But the like gameplay of Undertale felt a lot, and it makes complete sense if you know the history of it. Felt a lot like playing a spiritual successor to Earthbound. Ah, uh, yeah, yes, yes, for obvious reasons. Like, it just it had that same it had the same style to it. Right. Uh, even down to the very light parody aspect. But, I don't know, it, a lot of those games, that that's kind of the nostalgia stuff you get, because Shovel Knight men, means to kind of replicate all of those early types of, you know, uh, puzzle platformers, in a way. Right. Hollow Knight is very much kind of the Metroidvania, you know, dark spooky setting. 
You've got Cuphead. Completely forgot to bring that one up. Oh, baby. Uh, 30s animation combined with Mega Man gameplay. Uh, yes. <laughs> please, please give it to me. It's just, it's so interesting to see all this old stuff brought back, but act, but like done in a really, like a, like a spin, spin-off version, almost. Yeah. Like, Actually, kind of an interesting kind of note with that is, you know, when we're talking about, like, if we're talking about the time frame when Minecraft came out, you know, that's when a lot of the old school style games that, like, probably you and I grew up with, because, like, for those of you who don't know, like, I, I was born in 94, and my first video game was Crash Bandicoot on PlayStation 1. So, like, that was kind of my era of growing up with those types of games. But, like, during that 2011 era, a lot of those styles of games went away. And I wonder if it's really the fact that we just didn't get anything during that time, because like a lot of the games that you listed are kind of they're 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 nostalgic because they're nostalgic because they're trying to represent games that we haven't had in a long time. And they're doing it in an art style that represents that era, if that makes sense. Do you think that's yeah, part of it? Makes sense. I, that's definitely part of it. Well, what you'll notice is that I like that you bring up Crash Bandicoot here. Because in the time frame of probably, honestly, about 2010 till whenever uh, Odyssey came out, it was like 2018 or something. Yeah. Uh, in that time frame, even like the Super Mario franchise was really kind of dead. Yeah. Because usually when you think, you know, 3D platformers like that, Crash Bandicoot, Mario 64 was the other really big one alongside that. Right. But we didn't hadn't really had any genuinely new Mario platformers that weren't you know just cash in first title on the console kind of yeah deal. like so 3D. I wonder, exactly or like uh, 3D World and all that garbage that no one ever actually played or they did but they didn't want to say it because you know they were all the same game yeah <laughs> like it wasn't until Odyssey it was between Galaxy and Odyssey that was just kind of dead air there right um because that's like something i noticed was like because i actually believe odyssey came out the year the switch came out which was 2017 and if you count it mario galaxy 2 was like 2010 i think i think so something something around there something and then like mario galaxy 2 is still a very different style of game compared to Mario Galaxy 1, which was like the more traditional 3D Mario platformer. And there are still both platformers, but still very different styles of that method. And really, if you think about it, it wasn't until the Switch's launch where we started getting this huge revolution of the 3D platformer again. Right. Just like, there's just tons of, like, really between that time frame, there just, nothing existed. And like, yeah, Nintendo was putting out Mario games, but nothing really. And it was really... What, what, so like Minecraft was definitely like the game that started the indie, like, all right, people can do this. But what do you think was really the game that really put everybody on the map? Because I think I, I know which one it is, but we might have a different answer. Honestly, I would still stand by Minecraft being the game that put indie games on the map. Really? Just because obviously it was not the only like single or small team developed game that came out at the time but have you seen how it survived oh yeah it's been 10 years now near about like that game like for all intents and purposes like as far as internet age this thing's a dinosaur and yet it's even having a renaissance now 
so weird. Still, like, really? I personally think that the game that really kicked off the indie space was Shovel Knight. It was the first one, I think, because the thing is, Minecraft blew up even before it got bought by Microsoft. While Shovel Knight really, like, it was the first big game on Kickstarter that was a video game that, like, had to prove itself. And, like, it wasn't until the end of last year where they finally finished all the Kickstarter content. But even then, like, all of that content that they released for the game was just absolutely incredible and really just kind of set a precedence of what the quality of an indie game is. And I really, and I absolutely adore Shovel Knight. It's one of my absolute favorite games of all time. Um, I really do think that was the one that really started it because what's interesting about that too is that that one actually, when it first initially released before it decided to come to everything under the sun, um, it, was, it was on the Wii U of all things, believe it or not. <laughs> Can you believe that? That, That's a perfect place for it. Yeah. Because it's trying to emulate the old school style Nintendo game. And guess what? Mega Man. Did it. Castlevania. All that stuff. I was about to say it pulled it off in spades. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, the puns. They hate me sometimes. (laughs) The The puns never get old. Um. But yeah, I really think that's the one that really kind of set the trend because I think, honestly, like during that time, you knew that like small games existed, but that was the one that really was like, all right, we are a small team. We spent a lot of time on this and we're trying to push out the quality. Here's a vision of something that people wouldn't normally want to put money into. And I think it really showed and I think it really started setting a precedence for a lot of different games going forward for like the art style. Um you know, the actually and the thing too is the way that they communicate with the fans, I think was a huge Without deal. A doubt. Um and I think that's super I, I think that's something that a lot of indie games actually have a huge advantage over AAA titles is that they actually have the chance to be that free and open about, you know, how things are going, even if they're not necessarily saying, you know, this is what we're doing XYZ. You know, just to give it give an overview of like this like a timeline, sort of. That makes sense. Like, I mean, well, now I if you hadn't seen it, um, the Undertale sequel game that uh, had the first chapter come out last year, uh, Toby just for Undertale's fifth anniversary, hilariously enough, posted a bit of a timeline for how his work's been going on that new game. I don't know if y'all noticed that. It was just one of those things where you're allowed to be a lot more free like that. I think. Yeah, I um, I I know a kind of a thing in the communities that I've been a part of is a big topic has been in communication, and it's just amazing how you know these indie games are very open and honest about the process too. Because I remember when the last um expansion for Shovel Knight got delayed, literally months and months and months. Um, but they were very open and honest about it. And we were like, all right, this is what's going on. There's some bugs. It's not cleaned up yet. We need to do more play testing. We want to make sure this comes out clean. You know, like we don't want to deliver you folks a bad product. And I remember too, after the first expansion, which was the Plague of Shadows one where you got to play as Plague Knight, 
they got a lot of feedback about that expansion and they actually took that and really basically because i was reading the development blogs they actually basically redid all of what they had planned for specter and king knight which was insane and like they talked about that in a blog um and i was like wow because normally you would never in a big studio ever get that type of a story unless it was insider information like that is the only way and oh doubt. yeah like it's, and it's it's fantastic that we get that type of conversation it's it's great well they they're actually able to effectively create a dialogue right with the people who are because, purchasing because you phone. can actually genuinely have a call and response and like fix things as opposed to just you know cutting the same cloth again uh give credit where it's due i really don't want to uh necessarily call upon this beast either but uh five nights at freddy's is the same way oh yeah that's a whole beast in itself but you're not wrong I don't don't want to touch that one but it's the same thing he, he, like the amount of call and response and like even though it's not expressly you know out there communication the amount of just playing off of each other that the players and scott himself have been is astounding <laughs> It really is. Um, and honestly, some, some of these games I don't even play, but like I follow because I'm a programmer. I like reading up dev logs and kind of seeing where things are. And when I read these logs, it's just kind of incredible to see how open these folks are because um, I was going to say one of the things that, you know, I've been struggling with personally with me trying to come through with all this tabletop stuff is like, you know, how do you like what is the proper communication with your audience? Um, if that makes sense, like you want to make sure that you're having that open conversation, but what are you, what should you talk about? What should you not talk about? Um, especially if maybe if you're dealing with a licensing deal and stuff like that, but you know, do you honestly think that the best way to communicate with folks is just to be as open as possible as you can? I mean, without a doubt, as open as possible. Uh, Definitely, like I said, when it starts getting into licensing stuff, you know, you're probably going to have your arms tied in a lot of those cases. But, And, and I mean, I, I don't mean open in as much as giving everybody, like, a step-by-step, -step, I programmed this variable to do this kind of thing. <laughs> yes, please. Because that would be uh, probably a bit of a step too far. <laughs> yeah. But just giving, like, being willing to say, like you said with Shovel Knight, we're not ready for it yet. We don't think it's good. Just get, give us a second to polish it first kind of a thing. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're paying for a product, you want to be paying for something that you enjoy. Absolutely. And, and that, that's the kind of thing that puts this leagues ahead of something like Battlefront 2 was. Oh, dear God. <laughs> There's a reason I chose not to play that one. I don't blame you. Uh, oof. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you this when it comes to the communication. So like even throw the licensing deal out because I know that can open up a whole can of worms. But what do you what do you think? What do you think causes these certain companies to not be as open communication wise? Do you think it's a lack of someone like running a social media feed or writing blog posts? Or do you think it's honestly just people don't want to give out too much information? I know there's tons of examples, but what do, what do you think really the core of the communication issue is with some places i think it's 
it's a situation where they never establish the dialogue from like the first step and so once the fans come in saying or like having feedback and like trying to make a dialogue for themselves they're just not ready to handle it i got you. uh they may they may have a social media setup or they may have blog posts going through but it's their ability or their willingness to be able to take that response back uh, that really changes. Uh, p- potentially also, it- it's a thing where you don't necessarily want, like, with Five Nights at Freddy's. I hate to pull this one up again. No, it's, it's a great that, example. It uh, really fits the conversation well. Uh, he has been very closed off publicly about all of the work he's been doing, uh, even since the beginning. But it's the subtlety, like the the details underneath everything that he's communicating to everybody what he's doing. And so he doesn't have to worry about letting something slip or letting something leak or saying the wrong thing to the wrong person because everything is kind of up to interpretation that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, it creates a bit of a different dialogue in a way that a lot of other developers don't really think to do. Uh, they he's almost has done a really good job with this game of making figuring out what he's trying to tell them a game in and of itself beyond just the mechanical aspect. I gotcha. I I'm a big fan of communication because for those who do not know, I uh, I teach and uh, I teach college, and one of the biggest things I've realized that's really helped I think really spearhead my my. I don't I want to sound egotistical, but my wealth of value of being a teacher and the, the way people view me, because they view me very well, I think it's the fact that I communicate so well. And I wish there was just a way that to communicate better with your audience, whether, however, even if, even outside of the games. I know we're talking indie games here, but this is a great conversation about communication. Funny enough, conversation about communication, we're just talking. But uh, I, I wonder... I wonder how, what the better, like the way to get that message out there and help better other folks, because I feel like that, like, especially in 2020 communication is so important, incredibly important. And I wonder how we can really help those people out there, you know, understand that that communication is so key because like, I know from the teaching perspective, like, and you probably, I know you dealt with this probably as a student, but you know, when, if you're a student and you're waiting on a grade, you know, do you really want to wait three weeks after you turn in the assignment and, and it's due date? Do you want to wait for that um, to get a grade back? So you don't get your, you don't get the feedback you needed right away. So your communication was lacking. Um, stuff like and that. You know, do you really want to wait? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we're just talking about me, then yeah, I'd probably be okay waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, or or you want to be in the situation where I actually remember when the Spiral Reignited trilogy was coming out. It was August, and its original release date was like early September or mid September. I forget, but it was late August. And then all of a sudden, they're like, "Yeah, we're delaying the game." And like, sure, yeah, delay your game, but like, communicate with uh, communicate with everybody why the game needed to be delayed because they really didn't talk about it that much. Yeah, I mean, even just a simple, there was a fatal bug we couldn't fix in time. Yeah, or like one of these old glitches we wanted to try to fix is back again, that kind of thing. Like just 
some sort of a hint at what might have happened. Uh, as opposed to just, ah, we're putting it off. So yeah. long. See you next time. <laughs> yeah. I just, communication is key, people. Talk. Talk. Um, but enough about talking. As we continue to talk here. Um, Ditto, I want you to tell me about some of your favorite indie games. I know I mean, you mentioned I Undertale. I mentioned, you I mentioned thought. a lot of different ones. Um, I, tell me some of your the, favorites. I want to be completely upfront with this. Okay. For the longest time, I despised Undertale. Okay. Because it actually, before I actually got the chance to sit down and play it, the community it created was one of the most toxic things I think I'd ever seen. You've not been uh, a Sonic fan. Yeah, those two. Equally <laughs> bad. Um, but it just, it represented everything that was wrong to me about those kind of indie game communities. Uh, because it was just a thing where, because it was a lot smaller, but a lot more like culturally impactful, yeah. everybody was in on it, and everybody kept trying to take it in all these different directions. It's just like, Eh, not a good good point necessarily, but once I actually got the be- the chance to sit down and play through it myself, oh my goodness, that game is so good. <laughs> if you haven't played it at this point, go play it, please. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> it's it's a very good game. I was in the same boat it's as amazing. you. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, and I still don't like are am a little antsy about some of the types of people in that fandom. But it's such a good game. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. It goes to, I mean, like, as a Sonic fan, I don't engage with the community, but, like, you're allowed to enjoy the games, and I think don't it's let so, I don't let the community so scare good. you off because Undertale's a great game. It's fantastic, and Toby did such a good job. You gotta understand, uh, he wrote all of that music, too, which, by the way, as a music person, that is the most inspirational thing I think I've ever seen. Like, one person being able to put together an entire soundtrack like that and make it all consistent and good and just, ah! (laughs) Megalovania is is absolutely fantastic. And all the versions that you uh, you hear of it, there is a reason. Um, Hopes and Dreams, I think is what the track's called. That Uh one's a good one. Um, Just... The soundtrack is really good. Oh, the music is so good. (laughs) Oh, the... I, I remember because the first time I actually before I actually played the game, I watched a playthrough of it. And I remember watching like the no spoilers, the the, fi- the final one of the final confrontations you have. And when the music kicks in, you're just like, oh, man, this is legit. What's so cool about it. What is and what and it this ties back to the nostalgia thing, too, is that the sound font he used to make all that music was based on the SNES sound chip. Yep. So it's like it even sounds legit and it's just so good <laughs> it's a very good game um go play it it's like on almost everything at this point it, and it's it is not it's on literally everything it's like 10 bucks yeah and this is a game i guarantee you will play more than once oh yeah it encourages i can you absolutely guarantee you'll play it more than once yeah and it's not that long of a game it's designed to be played more than once i love those types of games I love where they really want you to play it over and over and over again. And I'm like, yes. Well, because it's like, and it's been long enough. I don't think this is much of a spoiler at this point. But Undertale remembers what you do. 
Oh yes, it's I freaking, forgot about that. Undertale remembers what your different uh, run-throughs are like, so uh, don't be dumb. <laughs> I forgot about that mechanic. Oh my it's god, it's so it's so cool, and he did it so so well. Like <sighs> it's so good. As a programmer, that stuff is what makes me like envious because that's like the exactly stuff I love like. To do. I would give like half my being to be able to make something like that. All right, and just the way he right chooses here, folks. to put everything D- together. Ditto selling his liver so in order good. to program like Toby Fox. Take it. I w- I <laughs> would do that so fast. Ah, <laughs> uh, what if what only. other game? What other game? Um, I think. Well, obviously, I'm gonna say Cuphead. Uh, oh, you can't have not a conversation like on Cuphead really fast because I just Absolutely. recently played through it again on PS4, and oh my god, that game is incredible! Like, it's so if you good. don't play Cuphead, you are a crazy like, person. And and here's the thing: a, a while back, I don't remember exactly how long ago it was, but there was a Kickstarter for a game called Mighty Number no. Nine uh, that attempted to be a Mega Man spiritual successor type game it was done by inafune it was done by the original guy so yeah but it ended up being probably one of the worst things on the planet (laughs) probably it was not not a polished experience it was uh from what i understand very very not good it was the thing is the game wasn't necessarily bad but it's like if when you're trying to build a spiritual successor to the classic Mega Man games on the nes like that is a lot to live up to, and it was just not—it was not a bad game, but it wasn't a polished game. And if you played Mega Man X, it was like trying to—it was like trying to play Mega, the original Mega Man series, with a few mechanics of X added into it, and it just doesn't clash very well. It doesn't connect, um, right. and it's already really clunky, and it's got all the horrible anime voice acting, and it's just like it didn't ugh. even have the the one thing I remember from what I've seen of that game, is that, like, the like the models' mouths didn't even move when there was dialogue. Oh, no. No. Like, there was no animation to it at all. <laughs> no, it was, uh... But the reason I bring that up is because Cuphead, at least to me, feels like what a Mega Man spiritual successor done right would be. Oh, yeah. I um, agree. To me, anyway. <laughs> I mean, the game's snappy. I think that's the biggest thing because, like, with a lot of those classic NES games, and like, definitely we'll talk about Shovel Knight at some point. Um, like, that game is feels very like when you're jumping on stuff, you just feel the instant gratification. Yeah, of when everything's you jump just or shoot. impactful. Yeah, it's very impactful. And and uh, I'll yeah. go ahead and throw this out there too. Uh, Cuphead's hard. <laughs> a little. Oh, bit. it's it, and it's and it's the gr- good type of hard too. And it is. I, I think that's part of the nostalgia thing with Cuphead, especially, is just that it mimics what a lot of old style NES games did, where they just kind of be arbitrarily hard so that they take longer to play. <laughs> yeah, and they literally built the game so like the difficulties in mind, but it's not anything that's like going to break you. If it's that makes not sense. so bad that you can't play it. But don't play it on expert. <laughs> you what if I told like you I'm doing that right now? <laughs> uh, Godspeed, friend. Godspeed. I want to beat the devil on expert. Just say that I have done <laughs> it's it. It's so bad. It's oh, so God. bad. Also, can I just say that the the devil music when you're fighting him 
is hype. Oh, the music in Cuphead. Ah. Oh, <laughs> no good. The like. No. Here's the thing. As a music, as a music person in school, I was never really that into jazz. Oh, I, I just didn't have the right rhythm for it. Oh, this soundtrack. <laughs> oh, it's so. It's oh. so good. I think what it is is that it's just so classical, and like it's so upbeat. It it is, and it's like, like and the thing is, it's weird to call jazz music hype. That's the thing. Well, there's like different types of jazz. So like you've got the blues style stuff, which admittedly some of the music in Cuphead is, and right. then you've got the real swing heavy type jazz that what the actual boss music sounds like, and it's so and. Let me just say, after so many games try to hop on the, like, dubstep or electronic or whatever have you kind of music, getting the chance to go back to a live recorded band is so refreshing. Oh, yeah. It's so nice. (laughs) It's like, it's something you don't get very often because, like, most games, if they're going to do some type of live music, it's usually orchestrated, which is really, it's still nice. But, like... An actual live band, orchestra like a live orchestra, like all of the Kingdom Hearts music has been lately. Oh, uh, that stuff's fantastic! Is absolutely like tear wrenchingly beautiful. Oh, uh, but so is this. It just in a completely different way. Like, like never would I think that having a live band would have that much impact, but it does. It does so much. Who's your favorite boss in Cuphead? Oh, don't make me pick. <laughs> I'm making you pick. I'm making you make decisions. Um, <sighs> that's a hard question. I think my favorite has to be uh, the bee. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um... Because that one's mine. Um, outside really? of the devil. <laughs> outside of the devil. It's um, like it was either going to be King Dice or the Bee. <laughs> King Dice is also really fun too. I the thing what I like about the Bee is like it's the perfect amount of challenge where you're trying to actually learn as you're like trying to kill the Bee. And I think it's it's the perfect balance of getting like frustrated because you're dying a lot, but also like all right, this is rewarding because I'm getting inch and inch closer every time. I think it's just the perfect balance of it. Well, what got me about it is most of the other boss fights are either like the one stationary stage or with the airplane levels, they're just kind of side scrollers. Right. But the B is a vertical scrolling level. Yeah. And something about that is so much more satisfying when you actually win. Oh, yeah. Because that's like the whole stage gimmick. Exactly. The, the entire reason for it is just that it's slowly climbing instead of any it's just the satisfaction of being able to actually beat that despite the fact that it's so separate from everything else right uh and especially since she's basically dead middle in the game yeah i forgot about that uh it's just really cool (laughs) i like it a Um, lot i i do have to shout out the the toad brothers because oh, they're the classic ones. Because for those of you who do not know, um, when you start the fight, 
the actual so they're supposed to be based off of Renning or Ren, uh Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter. And right. when they start, uh the shorter one does the Ryu start pose and the taller one does the Ken come at me pose. It, and it's awesome. as a, as a fighting game guy, that made me feel good on the inside. Um, just to know that they know that's something I enjoy. This is like these subtle little references to things that you wouldn't necessarily think about, but just the fact that they went through the trouble of making sure that that detail was there. Do you know about the Super Mario riff? Was there one? Did I miss it? They're in the do you, so in the carnival platforming level. Um, part of the soundtrack is literally remixing like the main theme of Super Mario World. Really? Yeah. Um, go look so it up. So I'm gonna be it's... I'm gonna be pulling this up in the background while we continue this because co- okay, I, yeah. Go look it up. I I've been in Cuphead Super Mario World, and you'll you will you will know about this. No, um, no, that's not fair. No, I, it's, it's a very it's only a little part of the song, but it's clearly like it's like a different key. All of the of the Super Mario World theme, like that thing, you know, like all that stuff. It's like, it's pretty, it's pretty clever what they did. I completely. Ditto is mad typing during podcast. <laughs> when is this not happening? I mean, you wanted classic. Oh no, exactly. I know. Here's the thing, you know, what you know on this very first episode, it has to be a classic. Sort of let's get wicked podcast where Ditto and I just have a conversation. And, and now that we're not talking straight about villainous and talking about all sorts of shenanigans, we can just tangent in the middle of the show to talk about music right. from Cuphead, which is not a bad thing. I'm very, I'm very curious now. Are you listening? How to did it? I not notice that? I know, isn't it crazy? Oh, that's oh! I know, isn't it? Dope? I'm kind of, I'm kind of mad, actually, because <laughs> usually I catch stuff like that. Ah, that's oh. so cool, though. Oh, that's really oh man. <laughs> don't, boy, don't you love it when you catch stuff like that, though? Oh, that's so cool. It is so dope. That's so cool. I know. Good on you, Cuphead. Cuphead, go play it. It's not expensive. Just it's really isn't. It's completely worth it. I bought it twice. Once on Switch, once on PlayStation 4. It's worth it. Oh, another game. I can't believe I missed this one. The Binding of Isaac. Oh, yeah. I've never played this, but I have it, played the card game. The, the card game is hilarious. I love that oh, a lot. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, but, yeah, the Binding of... At the Binding of Isaac was probably not the first thing to start the entire like dungeon crawling roguelike kind of genre, but it definitely brought it to the forefront. Oh, absolutely, I agree. <laughs> like, if you're a person who has ever once enjoyed the prospect of like the uh, Legend of Zelda dungeons, uh, go play Binding of Isaac. You'll absolutely love it. It's not really expensive either. Uh, super fun, great stuff, beautiful music. Uh, I want to I want to give a shout out to a game that doesn't get enough love because I actually enjoyed my time with this game when I was playing it. Ukulele. You ever play ukulele? I did not play that one. But uh, um, that one doesn't get enough love because it got a lot of flack 
when it officially released and stuff because there's a lot of weird things with it being distributed because it was a Kickstarter game. But when you play through it, it it feels like a classic Rareware game where it's got all the dumb dialogue and puns and things with eyeballs that shouldn't have eyeballs. And um, it's 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 a classic platform like 3D platforming romp before like Mario Odyssey was a thing. And like this giant like revolution of all the platformers, like kind of starting with Crash and then going from there, which that's not an indie game, but it's a conversation for another day. Um, that's one I definitely want to give a shout out to. Ukulele is pretty good. And also, I have not played it yet, but it's on my radar. On the apparently the impossible lair, the sequel to it, that's like the Donkey Kong Country clone. Oh, baby, I have to play that one. I didn't know there was uh that was happening. Okay. No, there's only there was only two, because it was a uh, because yeah because it was the original and then Impossible Lair and then yeah I'm assuming there's a uh, there's probably more coming along the way. I mean, there has to be, right? <laughs> exactly. They got that. They got that X Rareware money. Um, but uh, what what is there any other games you want to shout out? Because there's definitely one I want to dive into uh, with you, but I want you to shout out any um... other games. I like this conversation. So I have to think about it. There's so many good ones. I know, because you know what we're, what one we're about to talk about. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw a little bit of a shout out to a little game called Armello. Oh. Uh, I would understand if you guys hadn't actually seen that one yet. Uh, but it's a digital board game. Yes. Is the best way to describe it, and it's incredible fun. Uh. I would definitely recommend going and giving it a look if you like tabletop stuff because it so it does it well. Game because I've seen it, but what is it? So the entire concept or the storyline for Armello is that the king of this country has been uh, consumed by what they call the rot, which is just insert darkness equivalent number five thousand and six. Um, but your task as the heroes of this land is to go and usurp the king and restore the purity of Armello, basically. Uh, it's very, it's got like a card mechanic to it. It's got like the combat's all dice base. Uh, the graphics are beautiful. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen the art for the game. It's very, very pretty. Uh, de- definitely worth a look if you're into tabletop stuff. I I think wasn't that wasn't that released on console? Oh, I believe it was. Just recently, I think actually, it was on PlayStation Plus at one it point. Was. It was. It should did, be on PlayStation. I know it's on the Switch now. Oh, it's I know it's on Switch. Uh, it's in Steam, obviously. Because I have it. Because I got it through Plus, so I have it. I played it. No, but it's on. Oh, it's on Xbox. I didn't know that. It's on everything. Yeah, yeah. I guess it is on everything. That's how you know it's an indie game, guys. Yeah, was, yeah. When it's, <laughs> it's on everything, they don't report that stuff. But uh, all right. that's all the big ones for me. That's all the big ones, except there's one that we haven't discussed yet. I've been saving it because this is the one I probably have the most say in. Um. Um. Shovel Knight. Yep. Tell me about your experience with Shovel Knight. 
Uh, you're gonna love this. I I, not I, much. I hope I do. <laughs> not much. Um, I only got to play a little bit of the DLC, mostly because oh. I don't actually like that style of game that much. Really? <laughs> Weirdly enough. That's interesting. Uh, you'd have to talk to my brother for that one. He oh, that's why we'll have to, we'll to go drag Will and <laughs> randomly drag Will into the show. <laughs> right. He'll be, be, guest, the first he'll be the guest on the second episode, but that's a story for another. <laughs> there you go. There's your setup. Yeah, there you go. Setup. Um, but uh, which he's one a lot you more playing? familiar with it than I am. It was which the one? King Knight DLC. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, that one. That one's not probably a good one to jump into the series with. It's a good one. Um, but uh, oh man, you have to play that though. I mean, I it's been on my radar, and stuff just keeps getting in the way. <laughs> I um, but, yeah, that's one you gotta it, play. And it's weird because like platformers have never been my jazz. <laughs> See, that's the so thing weird because I, I talk about them so much, but. I'm not good at them. <laughs> no. What's your favorite platformer then? Um. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Really? I mean, <laughs> you know what mine is, but everyone knows what mine is. I mean, naturally. Yeah, okay. I was going to say. It, it, it stars a marsupial that is orange with blue pants. Um. Wow. I guess so with me with Shovel Knight, it's an interesting story. Um, the story I actually was going to try to write up on my blog, but I actually feel like it's better told and spoken word. Um, is so when Shovel Knight came out in 2014, I had just started college. Uh, well, at that point, it was a year into college. So I was in my sophomore year of college. And when I went off, I did not have a uh, any game consoles with me. And I literally, no joke, did not play any major video games for about a year ago. I want you to take that in for a second and be like, not played video games for a year. Absorb that. It doesn't sound right, but... No, it wasn't right. Um, the most I did was I played Mario Kart 8 on occasion. That was much as I did. Um, but what happened was is that I found out that Shuffle Knight was being released on Mac operating systems on Steam, of all things. <laughs> because, as most people know, I am a Mac person. And uh, I remember going into my business class, like the class where they teach you how to basically dress up in a business suit and not act stupid during interviews. And I booted up Shovel Knight that day, because that's when it launched. I remember playing it on my MacBook, and I was like, oh, man, this game is something special. And I remember going home from that class and just playing the living crap out of that game. Um, it was like my first game back into video gaming, and oh, man, it was a fun time. I uh, The music in that game. Oh, it is so good. Um, I, I've definitely heard the music for the game, and I can say it's it's got something. The main theme... It's got a lot of something. The main theme is freaking brilliant. Like, just you boot up the title screen and it just screams Shovel Knight in your face. And you just get this sudden feeling of, yes, I'm going on a quest. You know, I'm going through the woods. I'm beating bad guys with my giant shovel, of all things. 
And like all those stupid puns that they make with all the shovel puns are just perfect. Like at the start of every level, they have like a shovel pun. I love it. Um, shovel Knight's fantastic. <laughs> um, play Shovel Knight. It's great. I need to. I just haven't. Yeah. Had, I just haven't had the chance yet. No. I, I will tell you this. Do not play any DLCs until you play the main game. Because I think the biggest thing with the DLCs is that they're they're all their Spectre Knights DLC is fantastic. But um King Knights is okay. Plague Knights is a little underwhelming, but the main campaign is all you need to play. That's it. So for those listening, go play Shovel Knight. Go give them your money. I am not sponsored by them. So just Literally get the whole like a uh, gif of Fry from uh, Futurama to shut up and take my money. Just give them your money. I'm telling you to do that. And if you don't do it, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna do. But um, but yeah, Shovel Knight's great. Play Shovel Knight. Um, there is one more game I wanted to mention that's not a game I've played yet though. But I don't know if you've heard of this. Have you heard of Rivals of Aether? to me about rivals vether <laughs> don't what 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 about it it's very good i want to it's play it it's coming very out. good i'm excited it's very good i like it a lot tell, tell me about to it, play it that often. ditto your job is to get me hype about this game because this game is coming out on switch in like less than a week and a half is it Give me hype. Okay, so you've played Super Smash Brothers, I take it. Of course. So take that, that that thought. Uh, add in some, you know, SNES style pixel art graphics. Okay. Uh, and have a workshop where you can basically customize whatever characters you want. Oh man. I, I've heard about this. Uh, and that is basically Rivals in a nutshell. Uh, anybody who likes Smash Brothers uh, should play it. Anyone who likes fighting games in general should play it. Uh, anybody who likes that retro style should play it. Uh, it's just really, really good. <laughs> I have been stoked about this game. When it first originally came out, what was it back in like what 2014, 2015? I forget when uh, it came something out. Something like that. That's about right. Um, what if I told you one of the original main developers on Killer Instinct from its first season was the lead developer on that game? I believe it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, was it Dan Fornis? I mm. I have been following him since the KI days. And when I found out he was making this game, I was super stoked. I just didn't want to play it on Xbox. I wanted to play it on a console that I want to actually play it on. And when I heard he was putting it on Switch, because it can't run on Mac, because Mac, um, I was super stoked because I've been wanting to play this game forever. And I am super stoked that it's finally coming out. I want to main the dolphin, the dolphin thing. Everyone um, hates that thing. Oh, it's so annoying. The the dolphin and the polar bear are the two that I want to make. Yeah, they're know, both cool. Frog. Um, and I also completely forgot that my boy Shovel Knight is in that game. He is. I'm. I'm uh, happy. He's one I'm, of the uh, uh, official 
I don't know if I want to say official workshop things, but uh, yeah. Shovel yeah. Knight's there. He's exactly as bad as he sounds. Uh, I heard he was like top tier at one point or something like He's that. He's busted. I, I've <laughs> been told. Thing, I've been, I read the dev this, blog. Uh, Rivals of Ether is a game that basically goes with the if everything's broken, then it's balanced. Yep, that's Killer uh, line of philosophy. Logic. Yep. So just about everything is broken beyond all comprehension. You just have to figure out how to break it the most. <laughs> and that's how I like my fighting games. I love it. It's, um, it, it's a good one. Uh, I have the pleasure of having actually played it in the early access days. Oh, really? Wow. So, so you've been around with it for a while. It's, it's been in my peripheral vision for a long, long time. Yeah, I, I've been only reading the dev blogs about it because, like I said, I have I I kept up with Dan since the Ki days, and like when I heard he was making a game, I was really excited. And like the fact it was supposed to be like a true competitor to Smash Brothers, oh, like it, in terms of the competitive scene style of it, I was really it, excited it can to fill see that. that. I'll tell you how much it can fill that. Uh, some of the top characters in the workshop uh, for custom stuff are recreations of smash bros melee i was gonna say fox is one of them right yeah foxes foxes falco uh falcon mario and luigi like that's how that's how serious this game is (laughs) it's hilarious but i mean it's great oh man that's that's awesome i i am very much looking forward to playing that game um but it's a good game yeah, it's it's I'm very I'm very excited. Um, well, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, ditto. Thank you for joining me on this first venture. Um, we'll probably have you back on at some point to talk about some other zany topic. Probably one time it's gonna be Kingdom Hearts. I mean, it has to be, right? Yeah, it has to be. We're just gonna do a Kingdom Hearts show and just talk about Kingdom Hearts and dive deeper. I still need to do a new. Kingdom Hearts 1 run at some point just to play through it again so I have better reference to it. Um, and maybe I'll finally beat Kingdom Hearts 3. We'll see. Uh, no promises. Good luck. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't. I'll probably just start off where I, I left off so I don't have to put myself through uh, Frozen again. But uh, fair. Very fair. Yeah. But uh, thank you, though. I appreciate you jumping on this first show. This was no, a pleasure. No prop. I mean, somebody had to kickstart it. No, <laughs> And of course, and the thing is, I wouldn't want it to be anyone but you. So thank you for joining me on this very first episode. And thank you all for listening to this very first episode of Brought to the Table. Each and every week, we're going to have a guest on the show where I do basically kind of a one-on-one interview where they bring a topic of discussion to the table. So if you like that, just make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Follow us on all the RSS feeds. If you want to follow me on the Twitters, Follow me at Joker underscore Jonesy. You'll find me with my stupid mug and my spiral share currently. Um, Ditto, is there anything you would like to plug before I uh, I end the show? Uh, well, for everybody uh, who's watching this from Let's Get Wicked and hasn't noticed it yet, uh, I actually have been streaming myself a little bit uh, over twitch.tv slash headmaster ditto. If you want to pop in sometime, I might have something cool to show you sometime. <laughs> I'm excited because I actually want to watch one of your streams as uh, now now, instead of being the streamer, I get to be a member in the chat. I'm excited. (laughs) Oh, geez. 
<laughs> now I, the pressure's I, I on. followed you, so I'm ready. So next time you're up and streaming, I'm good to go. I'm I'm excited to join in. So, um, but yeah, go check out go check out Ditto. J Ditto's been a really good friend of mine. Has done a lot of help with the Let's Get Wicked content and such. And I know Ditto's trying to get into streaming. So go give Ditto a follow. Go watch some streams. Go hang out. Awesome guy. I wouldn't want to spend stay up till three o'clock in the morning with anyone else talking about random crap except Ditto. So, um, but yeah. Until then, everybody, I will see you folks on the next episode of Brought to the Table.